Jesus, that's the way we need to begin. <laughs> Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And aren't you grateful that you know Jesus and that Jesus knows you? Open your Bibles this morning to Psalm number one. Psalm number one. Great place to begin in the new year. And uh, the Through the Bible, Bible that I like to read through every year, uh, starts over in January with Genesis, <clears throat> Psalm 1, Matthew 1, and Proverbs 1. And you feel like you're starting to read the Bible all over again. And I like that because the foundation never changes. How many of you know it's important to have a good foundation? How many of you know that it's important, important to be planted deep in the right place so you can live faithfully and be fruitful. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. How many of you know that it's important to be planted deep in the right place so you can be faithful and fruitful as you continue to grow in the Lord? <clears throat> That's what Psalm 1 is about. It's foundational. It gives us a sense of our, our bearings, who we are and where we are and what's important in life so that we can make the right choices today and in the future that will help us move forward in our relationship with God. How many of you know that choices are important? That life is about choice. And it's interesting that the secular mind has a way of devaluing the importance of choice, preferring to portray us as uh, victims of our circumstances. <clears throat> that we really don't have much control over our lives, that the decisions that we make really aren't as much our decisions as we would like to think they are. Yet we read in Scripture that God gave us a will, a free will. And it really is part of His created nature in us. Do you realize that? Part of God's, God's divine nature in you enables you to make choices in life. Now, most of the time, I don't want that much responsibility. How about you? I wish God would just take my life and put me wherever he wanted me to be and do with me whatever he wanted so I wouldn't have to make one more choice. It's not the way it works. He says, I've saved you. I've created you in my image. I want you to live for me and glorify me in this world. And I want you to make good choices that honor me and enable me to use you for my kingdom in a very special way. And uh, we sense at times that, you know, the seasons change and we're beginning a new season. January is always that way for me. I feel like I'm aware of the seasons and I see that a new season is starting. And I'm thinking about this season in my life that's different from every other season, but similar in many ways. And my prayer is, Lord, help me to be faithful and to make good decisions, good choices in this new season that you've called me to. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 1. Let's read it. And let's look at the foundation and look, about, look at the importance of the choices that we make in our relationship with God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the Lord the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, 
which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. How many of you like part of that? Huh? Whatever we do prospers because we're planted and nourished and fruitful according to God's word. Verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. What does that mean? It means God's looking over your shoulder. And he really wants to establish you in his way. Do you ever think about the importance of what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. To, to, to choose Jesus is to choose the way. Jesus. Jesus. We choose Jesus and the way that he represents you know, there are some Christians that are confused today in uh, really misunderstanding God's purpose and intention for their lives. And they think that what it's about is, you know, choosing just heaven and the blessings and all the prosperity and all the things that God provides for us. Like if I asked you, how many of you would choose heaven over hell? Well, yeah. How many of you would rather be prosperous than poor? How many of you would rather be healthy than sick? And when the gospel is preached just that way, we think that we can use God as the means to our end. I want to be happy. I want to be prosperous. I want to be healthy. And if God is the means to that, well, then I'm willing to accept him. But what I really want is all those great things. That's really not what the gospel says. The gospel says that we choose Christ as the way. That's the choice. Not the blessings. The blessings come, but only because we are in right relationship with God. We cannot skip over the important part that Jesus is the way. We choose Jesus. We respond to all that he requires. He is the way. And the blessings and the provisions are... How many of you are grateful that God, by his grace, enabled you to choose Jesus to choose the way, you know you're on the right path that carries you through this life into eternity. Well, listen, we've got to reaffirm that relationship over and over again because we can get confused and frustrated in our Christian lives when things aren't going so well. I hear people some say, well, you know, I just really haven't gotten God's answer to prayer in that area of my life yet, so I'm just really kind of stuck there. Don't get stuck. Keep going forward in the way of the Lord. And know this, that God's going to see you through and that His timing, His purpose, His ultimate provision will be secured. That's what it's about. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to make sure that we're in the way of the Lord. We've got to continue on that path through this life and God will bless us. And sometimes it's hard for us to make decisions because it's like we're trying to sort it out. God, give me a sign for this or that and give me a word. And Lord, oh, change these circumstances so I'll know. It's almost like we're trying to manipulate this theater of our life to get things just the way we want to be absolutely sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. And God says, here's my hand. Trust me. <laughs> Don't sweat the details. 
I read a book when I was a young Christian, which I really thought was going to be helpful. It was called Decision Making and the Will of God. A fellow by the name of Donald Friesen wrote it as his doctoral dissertation. He studied the will of God from Genesis to Revelation through all the centuries with major Christian. He said, how can we know the will of God? And by the time he finished, he said, I don't have an answer. He said, it's about a relationship with God. He, he came to the conclusion that too many Christians think that the will of God is like a tightrope between point A and point B. And I've got to be very careful to walk that tightrope lest I fall off. He says, that's not the way it works. He says, the way of the Lord is a path. We have to make decisions. It's about a relationship on that path. And as we're walking down that path, now hear this. It's like a road that has shoulders and it has safety bumpers. God wants us. Listen, isn't it wonderful that God wants us to succeed more than we want to succeed? God wants us to make it into the fullness of his promise more than we want to make it. God's got an investment in each of our lives. He wants to see us through. So, listen, if you walk with Him, He'll get you there. Even though your understanding may be minimal. How many of you find over and over again that you, you look back and just are amazed at how God got you, where He got you, despite you? And when you were approaching it, you thought it was all about, you know, saying the right words and claiming the right verses and discerning the right... No, you wake up, oh, God... You are so wonderful. You're merciful. Look at look what you've done with my life that I didn't even understand. That's the way it works. I would much rather walk with God on that basis than trying to stay on that tightrope. How about you? It's a relationship. It's a wonderful and it's a path. That's why when Jesus says he's the way, we realize there's a path and there's a relationship and he wants to walk with us and lead us through life in that relationship. Wow, how encouraging that is. Now, I want you to see four choices that are very important that are in this psalm, which are foundational in our relationship with God. Four Now, hear me. Four choices that are so important. If we get these choices right, everything else works out. True, true, foundational. If we get these choices right, everything else works works out. How many of you want to get the right choices right? Absolutely. What's the first choice? Well, the church the first choice is the way of the Lord. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of, that sounds like another way, doesn't it? The way, the counsel of the wicked. There's another way. There's another path. There's the way the world's going. There's the way that you and your selfishness want to go. But you must choose the way of the Lord. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. We can choose the wrong way. Jesus spoke about the narrow gate in Matthew 7. As he said, the, the, the gate is narrow and it's straight and there's only a few people that find it. But those who do find it, do enter into the kingdom of God. We've got to choose the way. Now, notice that we're living in a culture that says, not his way, but your way is important. I want to do it my way. 
And I have a whole culture, a whole world that reinforces that carnal desire I have to do it my way. How many of you have recently come to the place where you really could see, well, this is what I want, this is my, and this is what God wants, and I've got a choice here? That's the nature of being a disciple. God always reduces us to that. And we've got to stop trying to, to twist God's arm to get him to agree with us, to give us what we want and realize the quicker I surrender. God doesn't change. Have you noticed? He doesn't give up. You can't change his mind because he knows what's best for you. And he loves you enough to keep you from going the wrong direction. I remember one time when I was struggling with a big issue in my life, a big, big direction, big decision, and I just was struggling, and I'd gotten counsel, and I'd been studying the Word and trying to figure out what to do, and I was out on the beach, East Coast. I was walking in the ocean, and I was struggling with this whole thing, and I was calling out to God, God, you know, why don't you speak to me? And then pretty soon, I was, ex- you know, that afternoon, I just was just plain exhausted, had even stopped praying, and there I am, there on the beach, and God spoke to my heart. And he said, the problem is that you and I are incompatible. Here's the next part. And God says, and I'm not going to change. Now, guess what? That was devastating. But it delivered me. Gave me hope that God was not limited to my nature to accomplish his greater purpose that he was going to bring me into the fullness of his weight. And let me tell you, some major things happened after that in terms of my priorities and my plans and my goals. And praise God. Uh, well, what happened? He ruined my life. And I'm grateful. How many of you are grateful for each time God ruins your life? Here I am trying to protect my life, trying to nur- trying to shape it and fashion it. And God comes in and ruins it. Why? Guess what? He's God. He can do that. I think about the potter's wheel in Jeremiah. You know, the, the potter is there working with the clay. And, you know, have, have you ever seen a potter actually uh, make a, a clay pot and how he begins and uh, how beautiful it is and the artistry of that? And, you know, you see a beautiful pot beginning to form and then all of a sudden the potter will stop the wheel and start pounding on the clay, crushing it down to start. And you thought it was a perfectly good pot. But the potter knew that there was a flaw that was not discernible to anyone, but he knew that he had to start over. And That's happened to me a few times. How about you? And the more we mature in the Lord, the more readily we give him permission to ruin what we've been building and doing and to start over. This is the way of the Lord, and it's a good way. Now, what do we do first? Choose the way of the Lord, which requires some repentance, right? (laughs) Not my way, not my will, but yours be done. Second, very practical here. It's right here in this verse. It's so many places in Scripture. We need to choose the word. We choose the way. We choose the word. Psalm 119. Wonderful psalm. If you want to be convinced of the importance of the word of God, Study the chapter in Psalms that's in the very center of the Bible, which is about the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We have to choose the Word and to hide it in our hearts. 
that we would not sin against God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for instruction and reproof and correction and righteousness. Joshua 1.8, as Joshua was preparing to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, God said to Joshua, My word, meditate on it, and you will prosper, and you will be blessed in every possible way. Do not neglect. We've got to choose the word. Now, what does that mean? Well, we've got to be practical about this. If we're going to have the Word of God in our lives, we've got to spend time with it. Can I just ask you, a person? how many of you feel that you're already studying God's Word enough? No, there's a hunger. There's a desire. We never, we never have that desire completely filled. God satisfies us with that Word, but with that comes an increasing desire for righteousness and truth. And let me just encourage you, here in January, let's get started fresh with reading God's Word every day. You know, read through the Bible in this year. Take 20, 30 minutes every day just to take a scripture. Maybe you've got a devotional book, whatever it is. But focus on the Word, not on your thoughts. And take time to get into the Word even before you pray because God wants to direct your thoughts in your prayer. And He does that through His Word. And so we choose the Word. I'm grateful for uh, the teaching of the Navigators. Many years ago when I was a college student, I was exposed to their training. And the Navigators said, you don't just read the Bible and close it. The way you get God's Word into your heart, and I hear this, they would use the hand illustration. He says, you have to read it, you have to study it, you have to memorize it, you have to meditate upon it, and you have to apply it. Should I do that again? Read it, study it, Memorize it, meditate upon it, and apply it. That takes a commitment. And so it is. Every day we need to spend time with God's Word. Choose the Word over our thoughts. Hey, how about choosing the Word over the news? Isn't that a good idea? Uh, I, I can get anxious and depressed real quick if I choose the news before I choose the Word. If I choose the word, I can handle anything. How about you? Because I know God's still on his throne. I know that he's, his, his plan, his purpose will never be thwarted. And so it is that we choose the word. Number three, now hear this. We need to choose wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom comes from God. James <clears throat> chapter 3 talks about two kinds of wisdom. Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by a good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven but is earthly. What kind of wisdom comes down from heaven? Well, verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder in every practice. But, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, 
Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest in righteousness. Oh, do we want the wisdom from God rather than the wisdom of the world? You know, in our nature, we seek intelligence and knowledge. God has something better, and that's wisdom. And so we choose this wisdom, the wisdom which comes from above. James promises in chapter 1, verse 5, that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it generously, does not hold back. Wow, what a promise. If I neglect that, let me say, I'm a fool. How about you? I have the opportunity to ask God according to His promise to give me His wisdom, which He has promised to give generously. And I choose my own thoughts. I choose the counsel that the world gives. What a fool if I neglect the wisdom that comes from above. Now, the fourth choice is the hardest one. And I want you to hear this, okay? We choose the way, we choose the word, we choose the wisdom. What do you think is coming? We choose the weight. What's the weight? It's the faith of patience and perseverance. Hardest part, right? It truly is, because we want instant results. Yet the picture here is of the tree that's planted that yields fruit in season. In season. When's the best time to plant an oak tree? 25 years ago. If you, when's the second best time to plant an oak tree? Right now. Don't wait. It takes time. It takes time. How many of you want instant oak trees in your yard? Wouldn't that be great? I'm not so sure it would. I mean, there are probably problems associated like that that I haven't even considered. But it takes time. And you know what? God wants to grow oak trees with us rather than sunflowers. How do sunflowers pop up and look pretty and go down with the first storm? Have you noticed? I don't want to be a, sun, a sunflower. How about you? I'd rather be an oak tree. But it, I've got to choose the weight, the choice to be patient. You think about uh, Abraham and Sarah and how they were called into a new land to go north and to begin a new nation. And how they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited for the promise to be fulfilled that the nation would begin. And I think how impatient we are. And uh, Abraham finally came to the, the conclusion, well, it's, it's too late. I can no longer have a son and my wife can no longer have a daughter. And so they tried to fix things, remember? And have a child, not according to God's plan, but according to their plan. And it caused a great problem. It's part of the problem we're even having today, if you study that historically. But for Abraham to wait, to choose the wait. And guess what? It's not different for any child of God. We always have to wait. How long do you have to wait? Always longer than you want to. For God to do what he wants in you during the process. Because guess what? The thing you're waiting for isn't the important thing from God's perspective. You are. He wants you. He wants you to grow in faith and become more and more like him. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. You have need of patience. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says that this patience, this perseverance has its reward, which is righteousness. But it's always about the wait. God may take longer than you would like him to to accomplish his purpose, but the end result will be so much greater than you might have settled for if you had had the instant prayer answer that you desired. Now, aren't you glad that God's answers are bigger than our prayers? I've heard Christians say, well, God is limited to answer your prayer only specifically as you pray. Not my God. I pray my prayer the best I can and he comes in and he answers with his big answer, which is always so much bigger than my little prayer. Have you noticed God knows how to do what's best? And so we trust him. So here are the choices again in the foundation and we're going to have to conclude here. What do I choose? Okay, here we go. Let's make this very practical. January 2012. Here we are. We're going to choose the way. We're going to choose the word. We're going to choose the wisdom. And we're going to choose the weight. And guess what? We're going to be much stronger Christians, much more like Jesus at the end of this year if we keep these choices our priority. Do you believe it? How many make the choice with me this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. By your grace, we're able to be planted, we're able to grow and be fruitful and bring glory to your kingdom. Help us this morning, O oh God, to, Lord, to realize the importance, O oh God, of staying planted and, Lord, making the choices that will lead to the fullness of your kingdom. Help us to respond to you this morning, even now, as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There are, are times in our life where <clears throat> the altar has a, a special meaning. Times of transition, times of change. We think about when we dedicate our babies to the Lord. We think about when we get married. We think about when those that are ordained to the ministry, the of coming to the altar and making a commitment before God. The altar is open this morning. You know what? This is wasted space <laughs> if we don't take the opportunity to take a moment to rededicate. I'm, gonna, I'm asking you as pastor, okay, the beginning of this, you don't have to come to the altar. But what a privilege. What a blessing. What, you, what an opportunity. And I would encourage you this morning as a Christian, if you haven't already, or if you have, to reaffirm that, rededicated your life to the Lord in this new year, making the right choice. And I encourage you to come to the altar, take this opportunity, or pray right where you are. But don't leave this building this morning without making the choice to say, Lord, I truly do put you first. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning, I want to talk to you and I want to pray with you so you can be sure before you leave this morning. There are other needs in the body, needs for healing and for guidance. We're going to be available to pray for you, but let's not end this service without responding to God's word and saying yes. I'm going to ask Phil to lead us in a closing prayer. Sam's going to continue this song. The altar will be open and we'll just We'll just stay before the Lord as long as he leads us as we conclude this service. Amen. Father, as we...
<clears throat> reflect on the message that uh, you've given us through Pastor Dan. How grateful we are, Lord, that your choices are much bigger, more expansive, more visionary, Lord. For you know what's in our future. And Lord, we want your grace to be sufficient for the days that we have ahead of us. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but you do. And Lord, you know how to prepare us. You know how to help us lift our eyes, not to just the horizon, but to the cross of Jesus, to his victory, and to recognize that he is with us. To recognize, Father, that through him we have access to all that is Jesus. And in that, Lord, we have a capacity far bigger than ourselves, greater than anything we could imagine. And so, Lord, give us faith. Faith that we may believe for that which we cannot see, that we may believe, Lord, for what we do not possess. Faith, Lord, that we may believe for what you have planned for us, Lord, and not for what we can see and what we want. And help us, Lord, as we leave this place today to leave with a new purpose, to leave, Lord, with a new sense of your presence and faith to believe you, Lord, for every, uh, to believe, Lord, that you will be with us through every challenge. It's a joy, Father, to be able to call on your name and to know that your ear is not heavy that you can't hear, to know, Lord, that your arm is not short that you cannot reach, yes, but that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Let that power be increased in our lives, Lord. Let your presence be greater than ever before. We ask in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Amen.